0: This episode of the Getting Smart podcast is part of our new Pathways campaign. What is something you used to think that you've changed your mind about? It's time for us to do that with all things learning. Previous Getting Smart campaigns have laid the groundwork of networks, place, purpose, and innovation. Our latest effort, the new Pathways campaign, will serve as a catalyst for unbundling education to allow for new learning models that are sustained by support and guidance and embedded in scalable systems. In partnership with ASA, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Stand Together, and the Walton Foundation, the New Pathways campaign will question education status quo and propose new methods of giving students a chance to experience success in what's next. Find out more at gettingsmart.com backslash New Pathways.
1: We're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. I'm New Pathways Senior Fellow, Trace Pickering. Uh, today, I'm joined by Dr. Tasia Chapman, Director of Learning Experiences at SpringPoint, and Jeff Sudmeyer, Director of School Leadership at SpringPoint. As you know, I've worked some with SpringPoint the past year doing school visits, and uh, we recently interviewed David Weinberg from there. So today, we're going to get uh, to hear a little bit more about some of SpringPoint's work and uh, in the field of education and school leadership. Uh, so, as the director of learning experiences, Tasia supports the design, development, and scale of Springpoint transformative learning experiences. Tasia brings over 16 years of teaching and curriculum design experience, and her expertise is in curriculum design reflective of universal design for learning and culturally responsive teaching. Uh, Tasia, good to see you. Welcome.
0: Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: And as director of school leadership, Jeff draws on over 20 years of experience as a teacher and administrator to coach principals and collaborate with leaders and teachers at Spring Point partner schools who are working to create innovative high schools. Welcome, Jeff.
2: Hi, Trace, thanks for having us.
1: Yeah, excited to talk to you today. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of Spring Point's work, so I always enjoy the opportunity to talk uh, with folks involved with Spring Point. It's a wonderful organization. So I think my first question for both of you is just how. Um, tell us about the work you do at Springpoint. Maybe you know what what landed you uh, at Springpoint Schools.
0: Yeah. Thank. Thanks. Um, what landed us here? I got to go back a little bit. Um, I spent uh, eight years teaching at the K twelve level in Chicago, Illinois, and Newark, New Jersey, as a special educator and um I was a professor and curriculum designer and director um, at Relay Graduate School of Education um and now as you are named I'm the director of learning experiences and I am a I'm a curriculum geek and and so I uh support the design and development and implementation of TLEs and um my jam is is ensuring that curriculum is reflective of CRT and UDL. And I know as we get ready, we um, expand our TLEs a little bit. That is um, an aim for us um, as an organization is to ensure that um, it is reflective of CRT and UDL so that all students can see themselves in the the curriculum that we're designing.
2: Um, Yeah, so I um, got into the work 25 years ago at this point, which is, Amazing for me to say that out loud uh, through Teach for America, and um, pretty quickly got hooked on the the mission of you know equity and trying to build great schools and um, learning experiences for all kids, and I think that's a through line in what I've been working on. Um, I've always been really interested in teaching and learning as kind of the core of that, you know enjoy the, the, the opportunity at Springpoint to be able to spend about half of my time designing and experimenting, implementing and piloting these learning experiences, and then um, coaching a small portfolio of high schools throughout New England uh, on implementing these learning experiences along with a host of other innovative uh, projects.
1: Nice. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Um, so yeah. The two of you and Springpoint talk a lot about transformative learning experiences. Um, what does what do you mean when you say transformative learning experiences, and what what do you envision that looking like for for schools?
0: Yeah, so when we think about transformative learning experiences, we want learning experiences that lead to like this deeper learning, um, and we envision that all learning experiences are reflective of rigor and purpose, which is what will make those uh, learning experiences meaningful. And we know uh, project-based learning intends to be reflective uh, of rigor and purpose. However, sometimes we know the implementation isn't always strong. And so we take the stance that when students are 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 doing this deep learning they are grappling with authentic um tasks and 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 they're they're interested in what is what they are doing and they are driving their own learning they are curious um about the work that they are doing and we know that oftentimes this this deep learning is going to lead to this double wow of like oh um, I'm I'm doing more or I'm accomplishing more than I ever thought I that I could. And I can see myself and I see this being meaningful to the work that I'm doing now and and how it's useful like outside of the four walls of my classroom.
2: I mean if we even zoom one layer up, I just think that um you know, we are we have the great fortune of getting to see hundreds of high school classrooms every year. And we get to talk to dozens and dozens of high school students. And um, m- more often than not, when we ask students, you know, what wh- what are you doing right now? They, they will say, uh, and, and, and why, right? What are you doing right now and why are you doing it? And they will tend to say, well, I'm, 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 I'm filling out a chart or I'm, I'm trying to solve this problem. Um, I, I guess it'll help me for college or you know, for the test or whatnot. And, and typically they they don't really know what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing, or have any sort of connection to it to a deeper purpose or meaning. And so, um we envision something different than that where, um, you know, The high school day in, you know, core classes can be filled with curiosity and wonder, Um, debating, grappling, feeling like you have a seat at a table to talk about important issues in your community, in the world, that you have something to contribute to, and that fundamentally, like, you are deeply studying things you really care about, and so, like, Uh, we've articulated some definitions of rigor and purpose in an attempt to start to um, realize this vision that learning can be magical and that high school students um, can fall in love with learning.
1: That's that's excellent. I think all of our experiences have been that, that that kids feel like they have to spend eight hours waiting to get to do stuff they want to do and and then if you just follow any high school kid after three o'clock in the afternoon, you find out what they care about and how passionate they can be and how voracious of learners they are. So it's uh, it's, it's good work you're doing. So, yeah. so tell us about and this, this. You've put a compilation together called Making High School Meaningful that puts together your ideas on uh, purpose and rigor and then the steps or the, the things that you feel need to be a part of a high school that that's meaningful and fulfilling for kids. So can you talk a little bit about um, that work and kind of wherever you want to start with? If you want to start with rigor and purpose, if you want to start with the overview of what making uh, high school meaningful is about, just take it, take it where you want to with this one.
2: So I think part of what we've you know, tried to do is, as we seek to partner with schools to create these transformative experiences, um, as Tacia said, we, we think that PBL has a lot of, um, a lot of promise to, to harness students' passions and interests and like, take them deep into the work, right? PBL is, can be a really good vehicle for, for deep and meaningful learning, but we, we wanted to articulate, um, I think, you know, what, some North Stars or some sort of key principles that we wanted to infuse into project-based learning. And, and so we've tried to define the core elements of rigor and purpose, right? So, um, you know, rigor, including asking students open-ended questions that invite them into tensions, ambiguity, something that requires um, figuring out, right, as opposed to just finding out, which is just kind of look something up. It's, the answer's right there in a text or it's, you can Google it, right? So, so questions and tasks that require uncovering investigation, wrestling, and, and navigating through ambiguity and tensions um, and, and problem solving. Um, putting, um, you know, rich, meaningful, complex texts or problem sets or what have you in front of students to get them to grapple with them. Um, asserting, uh, some standards for the work through exemplars and commentary on exemplars and really helping articulate what excellence will look like at the end of the project. Um, and then trying to embed into, um, kind of daily learning, uh, uh, an approach where students are really doing the work, um, and sort of authentically doing the work. And then on the rigor side, and it's it's actually hard for me at this point to, to delineate between rigor and purpose because we see them as almost inextricably tied, like they are fused together in our minds now and mutually reinforcing. I can give some examples. You know, on the purpose side, we've identified a few different facets of purpose, authenticity, relevance, identity, agency. We sort of tried to ident- identify what those components are so that we can then Build them into um, units of study for students, and we really see them as as mutually reinforcing. So, um, you know, for example, in in a a unit about uh, gentrification, uh, guest speakers come to class from one city and um, representing a variety of viewpoints, from those that are advocating for further development. To those that are concerned about, you know, displacement uh, of people from their homes, and we we bring those people in, and there's a there's a debate and there's a discussion, and so like at once we have both rigor in that students are weighing and thinking about conflicting viewpoints, and we have this authentic authenticity of purpose. These are people from your city talking about things that are happening before it Um, You know, similarly in in a in a unit on um, it's an algebra unit that's about systems of equations, but it's also about what do you want to do in the future? And so students are figuring out the break even point across these systems, but that's in the context of potential careers that one might want to pursue and helping students kind of forecast into the future. How might this play out for me uh, based on what you know choices I make? So. Um, as I said, we try to articulate these are the, the dimensions or facets of rigor. These are the dimensions of purpose so that we can, um, you know, infuse them into lessons, but they really are mutually reinforcing.
1: Yeah, that's super important. I think uh, rigors often, and you say it in your paper, it's they, they just think it's harder work or more homework or, you know, just it, it just falls flat. So, So I, I appreciate your... The way you've framed up, um, you kind of redefined what rigor means uh, is, is an important step, I think. So, uh, Tasia, um, so within rigor and purpose, you talk about the, the kind of the five components that um, if you uh, school implements is going to make a rigorous and purpose driven kind of curriculum. Can you talk us through some of that?
0: Yeah, um, and I, I want to name when I was talking about the these five components. These these aren't aren't new. Uh, we've synthesized and drawn from um, from the research, um, and so we've we've oh. thought deeply around like what is what is the research saying and how it's just showing up in the classroom. And so those five components. The, one of the the first one is driving question. And when we think about um, a driving question, we know this is what establishes the purpose for the learning. And then in uh, frames the inquiry for the the whole whole project and whole unit. Um, we also think uh, a creative artifact is important, and the creative artifact is the product or project that students are working on during the entire unit and so this could be for example Jeff brought up the gentrification um, unit this would be a photo essay in in the gentrification unit or in our slam poetry unit this is an actual slam poem that students have been been working on Um, the another component is the written commentary um, and the written commentary is how students explain and defend their thinking that is represented in their creative artifacts. And we um, have a very strong perspective on written commentary. And we think that this, students being able to to share their thinking via writing sets students up for uh, post-secondary success. And we know the research suggests that, you know, writing uh, builds that um, creative thinking. And we know that the um, the written commentary um, offers a sometimes nuance that uh, the creative artifact may not uh, offer. And so students are able to elaborate um, on their thinking with that. The fourth component we... we I think it's important, is the uh, Authentic Exhibition. And this is an opportunity for students to present to stakeholders and community partners that have an interest in the topic. And this we, we believe that the work that students are doing should be real world and applicable to the real world. And so this is that real world application. Um, and this is actually where... This raises the stakes for students because they are not just uh, doing something and presenting it to their peers or their teacher they are presenting it to folks that have an an interest and and um, a their own perspective and opinion um, about about the topic. and finally, that last component is the metacognitive reflection. And we think that it is important, we think and research suggests that it is important for students to reflect on their thinking and how their thinking has shifted across the the unit, um, across the development of um, their creative artifact and the the bigger project as a whole. And, And we want students to get into the habit of examining their own learning, thinking about what is working for me? What have I learned? What have I, what have I learned about how I learn? What have I learned about what I need to, in order to be successful? And we think all five of those components are where rigor and purpose live, um, both at the, the, live at the unit level and then when we think the day-to-day, you will see each of these come up um, and, and, and rigor and purpose living um, for students and teachers.
1: Nice. Thank you. I, um, as I heard you talk about authentic exhibition. There's also, as you know, strong uh, research on the need for the teenage brain to be engaged in work bigger than themselves. And if they don't have, if the work is just for that score on a paper or a grade, it just, I always say, how hard are you actually going to work if, if it's just for that one little thing, you know? So I think the, that authentic exhibition is a powerful element to
0: Absolutely. Um, A few weeks ago, we had um, a a large student exhibition and we had students that were presenting for college, does college make sense? And, and Jeff alluded to like the, the, the purpose of this unit, but we had students that talked about, like, I weighed this career option against this career option. And I actually think that I'm going to move in this direction based on what I have learned and based on whether or not the, 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 you know, the, 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 the money that I'm paying to go to college, the, the money that I'm paying to do the program I'm going to college versus the salary that I'm going to earn. Those are real things that students, we as adults grapple with, and we want students to also uh, start to think about. It's that problem solving that needs to be be evident in in all of their learning. Jeff, you look like you're going to say something, sorry.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I just think there's been, uh, it's a double click on, on Tracy's point, I just think there's been a, a lot of recent research about Adolescent brain development, in particular, and that adolescents are kind of forming connections you do know, across different regions of their brain, and that they have an innate like um, need to make sense of the world and to come and ponder big questions. Yet, like, kind of connect that to themselves and make a connection to their experiences. And so, we're trying to we're trying to kind of thread those things into the uh, learning experiences that we create.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. Um, yeah, the two of you talked, and you know, of course, I um, led a school that's heavy uh, project-based learning with with these components. But what, as you guys have traveled and seen all these schools that do project-based learning, is, is there what which one of these five tends to be the one that's the toughest for them to implement, or that seems that they seem to overlook or minimize that? You know. Just just in your experience, because I, I think of PBL programs I've seen, and they'll have two or three of these, sometimes four, but rarely will you see all five. So I'm just interested in what what you've noticed about that.
2: My experience has typically been that there's a there's a driving question, and there's often some sort of creative element, some sort of creative project. The written commentary I think is more more inconsistent, right where. Students really have to explicate their thinking and the choices they've made in creating that you know creative artifact. Um, I think the exhibition is also a bit inconsistent. And then metacognition um, is something that we've known all along is important, but I think have taken an increased interest in recently um, of just how we can help students shift from being kind of tacit learners to more strategic learners and what that can do for them, how that can fuel um, like their understanding of how to learn and themselves as learners, but also help them transfer what they're learning to new situations. And so, you know, for us, that's been something I think that we've always known and named what we've been elevating even more recently. All right. Trace, does that resonate with what you've seen?
1: Yeah. Um, typically, the the written commentary is what I've noticed is a little lax, or that's where it's not as fully defined um, for sure. Uh, to your point, there's usually some driving idea, uh, and then the creativity, creative artifact. I think most PBL has that pretty solid. It's the getting those other three, and then I think too, just helping, um, just helping educators, you know, reminding educators that metacognitive reflection and the time it takes to do it is incredibly valuable and worth it. You know, sometimes I think they just get in a big rush to get to the next thing. And uh, sometimes that metacognitive reflection is is done, but done really quickly or not with depth. So I I really appreciate that uh, that's one of your five elements because in our work at Iowa Big, as soon as we got more serious about metacognitive reflection, the better the learning got in a big hurry. Yeah
0: and And I would add on um, in terms n- not just um metacognitive reflection at the end, but actually throughout mm-hmm. because yes. waiting to the end you you know you've missed things that students should be picking up on and and leveraging throughout the entire process it, this isn't a I've done this thing, and so now I'm going to reflect on this one question versus I have very clear points where I'm stopping, pausing, thinking about my learning so that what I'm currently learning, I can apply as I continue to, you know, this, this process.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Ties uh, very closely to um, the, the work you see in the professional world around agile and uh, the agile mindset. One of the ideas is that you, you pause quite regularly pause to reflect and make sure that, you know, you understand what you've learned and how your team is functioning and all that kind of stuff. So that's, we're definitely seeing that happening in the, in the business world as well. Um, so I'm a, I'm a teacher or a principal in in a school that's fairly traditional uh, with, uh, you know, the traditional scope and sequence and pacing guides and all that good stuff. And I want to move, I want to move in this direction what what would be the first steps I you would suggest I take or where, where are some starting points where I can get a toehold um, and begin to transform my classroom in this kind of way?
2: Um, I, I, I might start with an audit just to understand kind of the baseline of where you are. So um, define what you're looking for you know, that could be rigor and purpose, that, you know, one's own sort of version of that. Of what are you looking for? What is it that you care about? Um, and it, you're welcome to use our version. Um, create your own and kind of get a sense of where things are. Um, I think that that sort of baseline might point you in some directions and understand get get an understanding of where you're starting. And then start small. I would start with um, sort of a small coalition of folks that are interested in trying something different and experimenting. You know, would start with trying a unit and um, you may want to try to develop one. You may want to try to build off of something that already exists. This is pretty sophisticated teaching. Um, it's pretty demanding, both in terms of the planning and the, and the implementation. And so you, you might want um, to alleviate some of that for, for teachers, right, by starting with something that's out there that already exists that you're customizing. And then I think take a, somewhat of a scientific approach to it where you're doing a lot of progress monitoring. Talk to the students a lot. Survey them. Focus groups, little you can do quick, quick input from them on you know the end of class, beginning of class. Towards the end, you could do a more you know a longer, more you know formal survey through Google. But I would I would solicit the input and feedback from students throughout. I would look at the student work quite a bit um, to see how that's progressing. Um, and observe the class and debrief with the, the teacher or teachers quite a bit. So just try to surface a lot of information about how it's going, what you're learning, and then iterate and try again.
1: Taste anything to add with that? Or?
0: Uh, I would say if, if folks are, are interested, I know on our website, we have um, a sample unit to try, try out. Yeah, you
2: could... You could also contact us through the website. We have other resources.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, as you work with teachers and principals, with what what tends to be their biggest fear about diving into this, and how do you help them um,
2: work through that?
0: I can uh, I can probably start off, and then Jeff, you can bring it home. I, in talking with teachers um, about Getting started, often teachers one wanna know how long <laughs> one wanna know how long it's gonna take, you know. Um, and when we say, you know, this is a six to eight week unit, which is the average length of our TLEs, um, sometimes it's like, well, what are we doing for six to eight weeks to do a project? And it's like, well, it's it's more than a project where you actually want students to do some of that grappling and thinking. And so trust me, the six to eight weeks is filled with <laughs> um deep learning and thinking and grappling that that students are are, are they they're, they're working. They are absolutely working. Jeff, it looks like you were gonna say something. I saw you look to the sky. Oh. Great. Um, and so I, I think that's that's one of the concerns. Um often the concerns teachers are saying, well. Maybe this is only for a subset of my students in my classroom, um, but this might not be for my diverse learners or my multilingual learners. And we say, no, the, the, our Spring Point TLEs are designed intentionally to address the needs of every single student sitting in your classroom. We have done that thinking. Um, around the differentiation and the multiple access points, that a, the variety of students that your the, the the variety of students that you have in your classroom will have an access point um, in every lesson in each of our TLEs.
2: I I would just add a couple of things. I think it depends a little bit on the audience or like on where they're coming from. The school is coming from the context. So I think for people from schools that haven't had a ton of exposure to project-based learning, we usually hear some concerns about rigor and standards alignment. Um, and I, I think I understand why. I think there is sort of a, a, a preconception about what PVL is and, and isn't out there that might lead people to think that. Um, but I would just implore them to, to try. Let's just try a unit. Let's, su- let's support the teacher or teachers. And um, when students, like, when you get rigor and purpose working in concert and you have that moment where students work on a project, they work really hard, they revise it, they present it to an authentic audience, and then they look at you after and they say, wow, I was nervous to do that but I'm really proud of myself and that was really interesting let's do more like get to that moment and then reconsider your worries about rigor because I think once you get students that invested in in meaningful work right in deep thinking um I think that, that assuages probably some of the concerns about rigor and standards. And then I think people from from other audiences or other contexts, um, I think it's Casey, who saying, wow, this is a lot. And um, how can we implement or operationalize this sort of dynamic framework into the day-to-day? Um, and, you know, we... Our, our journey was in working with a, a small set of schools and supporting them to try to create curriculum, project-based curriculum, and it was just a lot. Like, there's a lot there to operationalize. That that led us to actually create some units ourselves, like, in deep partnership with our schools and getting a lot of feedback, and piloting, and iterating, and revising based on their feedback, but kind of trying to give that head start so that it, it's it's manageable and that teachers can devote their finite time and energy brain space to rather than like searching for texts or trying to figure out what tomorrow's agenda is actually like deeply reading those texts or you know modifying for the the needs of their students etc etc
1: yeah excellent um yeah i know uh, know, we've talked the you know the students their sense of agency grows and their sense of purpose and their confidence and but I, I think, you know, I, I'm guessing what you've seen is the same thing I've seen with my teachers. But what what do you see what transforms in the teacher? What what is it that that lights them up in a whole new way when they when they start to move in this direction?
2: Well, I think it's a few things. Um, one is just a sense of what's possible and that all the teachers that we work with Believe in the unlimited potential of students. We all believe that. Yet every time we have one of these major expositions of their work, we're blown away by what they can do. And so I think yeah. that's part of it. It's just wow, what these young people are capable of. Um, and that's so rewarding. I think. And then related to that, I think are just some shifts in thinking about the role of teacher. And you know. Um, the the conventional image of a teacher that's prevailed for decades and decades is one of dispenser of information. And when you are facilitating a transformative learning experience, your role shifts to facilitator, to coach, um, to giving a lot of feedback on student work. Um, in a way from feeling like you have to dispense or impart information, and I think it's another shift. And then I think related related is just um, do you, do you have to create all curriculum from scratch and this teaching and curriculum creator? are those the same thing? Do they always have to be the same thing? Um, what are the best ways to use your finite amount of planning time? Um, I think people start to have some shifts in their thinking about that as well.
0: And I, can I build on that, uh, Jeff? I think when folks um, see our TLEs, they're like, oh wow, there, there's so much here. And we strongly believe, um, as Jeff alluded to, we want to help teachers shift from that idea that I my role is to plan and this is where I'm spending all of my time and all of my mental energy, and we assert that actually we we want you to not plan. We'll do that planning. We want you to engage in the intellectual prep, the intellectual preparation of digging into the readings and the resources that we have already um, cultivated for you so that you can engage in that thinking of like what what is best for my students what do I need to tweak what do I what how do I make sure my students fully show up on this day in this particular um, project or activity and so that's we want that is what we want teachers to be able to to shift their thinking from I am a planner to I am um, I need to engage in some intellectual prep I am not pouring into my, my students. They are, they are sharing, and I am just facilitating, as Jeff named.
1: Well, Tasia, Jeff, appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate your work. I love what you guys in Springpoint do. Um, it's making a huge contribution to the, the work we're all trying to do out in the field. So I appreciate that. Um, for those of you interested, springpointschools.org is where you need to go to learn more about Tasia and Jeff's work as well as their uh, paper, Making High School Meaningful, where they lay out all the things that they've talked about here at the podcast. So with that, thank, thanks again to, to the two of you.
0: Thanks, Tracy. Thanks, everyone.
2: Thanks for tuning in to the Getting Smart podcast today. We want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, Mason at gettingsmart.com. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. Feel free to share the podcast on social media using the hashtag GSPodcasts. Thanks so much.